further, why don't we um, open the pages of Scripture together? Uh, we're going to have our reading, and then we're going to invite uh, Molly up to speak to us this morning. So it's Romans 5, 1 to 8, which should come up on the screen as well if you haven't got a Bible. There we go. Brilliant. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though, some, though maybe for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, it's lovely to hear that. Uh, Anglican reflection going on there. Excellent. Um, well, would you like to welcome up our speaker this morning, Molly? Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm so honoured to be in the grown-up group this week. Before you start panicking, don't worry, I'm not going to make you stand up and act out the passage. I have noticed there's a lot chillier in here than next door, though. It's very chilly. Can I pray for you before yes, you start? of course. It's all right. You've travelled from far to be from here. From far. You? And, you know, the yeah. All right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, pray this morning that you would speak through Molly powerfully and speak to our hearts that we might be transformed into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pete. Um, so this morning, I wanted to speak to you about how, as we as a church community, can encourage each other to live in the story of hope, which is the story of God. The Church of England has set a really bold target of doubling the number of children and young people in their churches by 2030. 43% of Christians today said that they became one before the age of 12. But 38% of churches across the UK have no zero to 16s. Over this past decade, there has been a steady decline in the number of children who are regularly attending a church, with a significant drop-off after COVID, which we still haven't bounced back from. Naturally, the church will grow up and inward in age, but we want to do the opposite. We want to grow downward in age and outward in focus. This is a church that is alive. I rang my parents last week, and I just mentioned that I was doing the talk today. I sort of waited until the last possible moment to tell them, because they love coming down and supporting me. And they love coming in giant groups. I think there's 17 of my family signed up for the Easter Spectacular, so look out for them. Um, and when, I, when they got over their excitement, I explained what I was speaking about today. And my mum said, oh, you're going to mention me, right? And I said, yeah, of course I am. Um, so my mum was my Sunday school teacher. And I first went to kids' church when I was two weeks old. I was sat in my carrier, and my mum was leading the session for the older kids. And since then, I have been involved in church in one way or another. I've been involved um, as a child, I've been involved as a teenager, I've been involved as a, a student at uni, as an adult, and now as part of the staff team here at Bay Church. 
we have an incredible opportunity to parent each other to live in the story of hope. To parent means to bring forth and to draw out things in each other. To encourage, to lift up, and to challenge when it's needed. It can be easy to discount ourselves from this. You might think that you don't have enough wisdom to share, or you might just think that you don't have anything to say and you have nothing you can give to someone else. And it can feel like a huge undertaking, and yes, yeah, sure, on our own it would be. But we don't need all the right words and all the answers. In his book, Habits of the Household, Justin Early tells us to look up. Because when we do, we see we have a heavenly father, a divine parent. He is forming us perfectly into loved children of the King. We just have to go on this journey together one step at a time. And I would love for us to go on this journey together as a church. So firstly, what does it mean to live in the story of God? For us in this room, for our children, and for our young people. As a child, I was so shy. Honestly, if 12-year-old me could see me now, I would be like, what is she doing up there? Um, and I still have moments now, especially when I'm doing something like this, where I'm like, who let me up here? What's going on? When I was about three or four, I did my first dance show. I did ballet and tap as a kid. And it was like a big one. Um, the whole dance company joined together. And there were children from my age, like three or four, all the way up to 18. And hundreds of people came to, came to watch. They had hired out this big theater with stages and lights. And it was like, it was like one of those, like, tiered seating. It was like really intense. And I was so scared. I cried my eyes out and I just clung to my mum's leg and I refused to go backstage. Um, I was playing like a Dalmatian character and I looked super cute. I've got a photo so you guys can see. Very cute. <laughs> um, one of the teachers sort of took me under their wing and as I sat backstage just sobbing my little heart out, I just remember feeling completely alone. I can remember that as a kid, I often compared myself to others, and that's where I would find my worth. I remember thinking that everybody there was going to be better than me. They were taller than me, prettier than me, better at ballet than me, and I was going to have to go out there on that stage, and everyone was going to look at me and think the exact same thing. Now, when I look at that photo, I just think, oh, how can I think, how, why should I think that about myself? I think it's so cute and like nobody was thinking that about you. But this is what the story, the world tells us about ourselves. And I'm sure you all might have a similar story from your childhood. Something that still clings to you today, that still tries to define who you are. This is a story of comparison, but this is not the story of the gospel. We are enough because Jesus was more than enough. It's not about what we can do, but it's about his love and grace. In the passage, it says, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. There is no shame or condemnation in Christ. We can't be perfect because it's impossible. And there was only one human that could ever do that. And that was Jesus. There will always be someone that is better than us, more confident than us, smarter than us, kinder than us. There will always be someone that can do a Dalmatian ballet routine better than you can. But we don't need to be perfect because Jesus lived a perfect life. I did go on stage in the end, by the way, and I'm pretty sure I absolutely smashed it. 
And there probably was someone who was better than me, someone that did the routine better and everyone was looking at. But actually, when I got out there, I didn't care because I looked through the audience and all I could see were my parents right at the back. And they loved me and they were proud of me. We are enough because Jesus was more than enough. There are experiences in life that are formative. They help to shape our view of the world and they stick with us. First, first learning to ride a bike is an example of this. It's an informative experience in independence. Maybe you can remember the first time that you rode a bike. Maybe you can remember who taught you. The first eight years of our lives are referred to as the formative years. This is when our brains develop quicker than any other point in our life. Children's brains are so busy because they're constantly trying to work out what this world is around them and how they fit into that. I'm sure many of you parents in the room have experienced the why stage with kids, where they just constantly ask you why. Why is the sky blue? Why do we exist? Why can't I have sweets right before bed? It's because they're trying to understand. They're trying to grasp what this world is all about and how they fit into that. I think we have a precious opportunity to build our children's lives in the story of God. Of course, you, you can become a Christian at any point in your life, and you can have an equally life-changing and deep relationship with Jesus, just like you can learn to ride a bike at any point in your life. But how beautiful is it that we get to weave God's story into our children's lives from the beginning? We should go above and beyond for them, we should tell them a story of hope rather than a story of shame. Bay Kids isn't a secondary ministry or a babysitting service. What is happening over there is just as significant as what is happening in here. They are the next generation of storytellers. They are the future of our church. So what does this look like practically for us here at Bay Church to live in this story of God? It looks like us reading God's word and hearing what he's saying. It looks like our children learning Bible stories and hearing about faith-filled characters in the Bible. It looks like us spray, praying and speaking to God and listening to him. It looks like us worshiping together. It looks like us waking up every day and choosing to join in with what God is already doing. So that was living in the story of God. Secondly, I want to talk about the outworking of what that looks like for our church community here. As the story that you live in is the story that you live out. What does it look like for us to parent each other, to draw close to each other and point each other to Jesus? There was a study and it found that if children have one Christian who is in their life, who is outside of their family unit, they're more likely to become a Christian themselves. It is an incredible thing being a part of a family, but we all know what it's like when our parents tell us to do something. It was like when you were a kid and you sat in your room and you thought, hmm, maybe I could tidy my room a bit, it's a bit messy. And then your mum would come up and she'd look in and be like, ooh, you could give it a tidy and you'd think, well, I'm definitely not doing it now. It can be helpful to have someone else outside of your family to talk to and to ask questions of. And that is what is so special about belonging to a church community. Where else can you find such a vast array of people with different, from different ages, stages, and backgrounds who all believe the same thing and who are all for each other? 
Many successful and revolutionary people had mentors of some kind. When I think of mentors, my mind instantly goes to Kung Fu Panda. It's a great film. And uh, if you haven't seen the film before, it's basically about this panda called Po. And he dreams of being Kung Fu master, but he's actually really terrible at Kung Fu. And to everyone's surprise, uh, there's an ancient prophecy, and Po is thought to be the one who's going to fulfill it, who's going to save the valley from an attack. Po has to go through the strict training regime, and he has a mentor called Master Shifu. However, as it goes on, Po starts to realize that maybe he's not good enough, that they got it wrong, and that he, there's no way he can defeat whatever is coming towards them. But Master Shifu motivates Po to follow his dreams by having confidence in himself. Towards the end of the film, Master Shifu believes, believes Po is ready to finally read the ancient scroll. But when he opens it, there's nothing there but a mirror reflecting himself back to him. It was basically saying that everything Poe needed was inside of him. This is a really beautiful moment in the film, and it always made me feel a bit emotional. But I don't know about you guys, but if somebody told me that all I had to rely on to save the world was me, I'm pretty sure the world would be doomed. But as followers of Christ, we know something else to be true. In the passage, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We get to journey through life together as a church, but instead of reflecting ourselves back to each other, we get to reflect Jesus. When we give our lives to Jesus, we enter into true freedom and peace. We are made new by his grace, but life is hard and entering into a relationship with him doesn't mean that all suffering and hardships will end. But we have a newfound hope that is beyond ourselves. When I lived in Plymouth, our vicar shared a, a message to the church about mentorship. And his vision for the church was that every single person would have someone who was pouring into their lives. And then you would also have someone whose life you were pouring into. This is something I would love to see for our church community too that we are all supporting each other, lifting each other up, and pointing each other to Jesus. There is something so special about being part of a church community. In some sense, we are like a huge family. I'm sure most of you will know our worship pastor, Faith. She was up here a moment ago, blonde hair, she's at the back. Just want to make sure you know who she is before I tell this story. <laughs> um, so, um, just over a year ago, we were doing the first ever light party together, which I was so pleased about because I'd never done anything like that on my own. Um, and Faith had like done stuff and like, I just felt safe that me and her were doing it together. So we planned it all out and we'd gone to B&Q and we got all the wood we needed. And I was feeling pretty pleased myself because Faith showed me that you can take the wood to the back of B&Q and they'll like chop it up for you like perfectly. And I was like, wow, this is so great. I just felt so good. I was like, we've smashed this. Um, so we had our trolley with all our wood and we, we pulled up to the cashier and we got it all loaded up, scanned. And he was quite chatty, making a few jokes, you know. And uh, I just so happened to have the budget for the light party on my card. So I pulled it out to pay, and he turned to me, but loud enough so Faith could hear. He said, wow, typical. You come out shopping with your mum, and you're the one who has to pay. 
And I just turned to him. I said, oh, no, terrible, isn't it? Well, <laughs> as you can imagine, it was a very frosty car ride back to the office that day. And don't worry, none of us have ever let it go since. If you happen to chat to Faith after this, please ask her how her daughter's doing. She absolutely loves it. No, but seriously, we are very close friends. Um, and in doing the first light party, it brought us a lot closer together. We worked hard and we got through the struggles. And, but we knew we were in it together the whole time. And of course... We took it in turn to have wobbles and to lose heart, but thankfully the other one was there to say something funny and to remind us why we were doing this. Life can be tricky and we can all become discouraged from time to time. It's a journey, but we don't have to do it on our own. There is so much wisdom that we can gain from each other and so much wisdom that we can share with others. We all need someone who has been there before, someone with wisdom and clarity. We need someone to be there for the highs and the lows, who checks on us, who calls us out when it's needed, who encourages us when we're feeling low. There are over 300 adults on our church database, and there's no way that Matt and Pete and Gareth can be that person for everyone. Last time we introduced Grow and looked at how we can grow together as a community, and groups is a great starting place. It's a place to journey through life together, Tables are also a great tool. It's a group of three who re meet regularly to encourage each other. But our church community isn't just this pe the people in this room right now. It's all of our kids and young people too. We have over 100 children on our database. And as much as I would love to be, I also can't be that person. They need a cool auntie, a fun older brother, a silly dad, a caring grandma, they need someone to play football with them and ask them how their week was. They need someone to remember that they were feeling scared about school last week and ask them how they're doing. They need someone to notice that they're sat on their own. Last week, Matt shared that we needed 19 more adults to be on Kids Crew, just to sustain the numbers we currently have. We had three people sign up, which is amazing, and I'm honestly so excited. I'm actually meeting with them all after the talk today to talk about the next steps. But we need more, and we don't just want to stop there. What about all the people that don't go to church yet? What about all those families who we meet at Bay Tots, Bay Tea, our spectaculars, light parties, Christmas? My worst fear is that a family turns up and we have to say, we don't have room for you. Because the kingdom of God has room for everyone. What if we all had one person who we could go to and ask for help? What if we can all be that person for someone else? What if all our children could grow up to say that they had someone like that? That they could say, I want to grow up and love Jesus just like they do. What if all our young people had a mentor to help them navigate their teenage years? What if we all had someone to help us live in the story of hope? Imagine if we were a church full of parents of hope, a church in which we were all encouraging each other, supporting, challenging each other to live in the story of God. We want this church to be alive, a church that is growing. We want everyone who walks through those doors to feel like there is room for them here. But for that to happen, we have to make room. If we want a vibrant kids' ministry full of children who know and love Jesus, 
then we need people to invest their time and energy in them. If we want our young people to go out to the community and beyond and spread the good news, then they need mentors to help navigate life first. If we want to be faith-filled disciples of Jesus, we need spaces like groups and tables to help us grow. We want to grow down and out and reach people from all across the bay. But we need to create room. More kids groups, more services, more seats, more room. Let's help each other live in the story of God and raise up the next generation of storytellers. Let's do it together. Amen. Amen.